Welcome to the Dream Big Nation podcast. In this show, veteran recruiter, wealth mentor, and entrepreneur, Lisa Williams, will take you on a journey of exploration and discovery to learn what it takes to hire yourself. Are you ready to dream big and grow into the person you're meant to become? If so, you're in for a treat. And now, here is your host, Lisa Williams. Hello, friends. It's Lisa Williams, and we are bringing you back to our Dream Big Nation podcast. I am really, really excited and so very blessed to introduce you to a new friend. Rich and I had a chance to meet on, it was a mastermind networking group that we just happened to come across one another and had a first conversation that immediately made me realize he is like-minded in so many ways. And I'm just really excited to welcome you to our show, Rich. Lisa, I couldn't be anywhere else at this point. I love it. I feel your presence here. The first time I met Rich, by the way, he shared with me that he's, he's actually running a technology firm right now, but his background is one of ministry. And you spent many, many years there and you've had so many iterations of your life. You are in the midst of one at the moment right now. And so I'd like to start by just asking you to share with people that might find themselves right now in a time of trial where they are going to be needing to make some decisions about what's next in life. What can you share about what's helped you in the many, many changes that you've had? The first one is I have to, I have to let go of myself in the thought process. I don't want you to think that that means I'm impractical. I have to pay the bills or I have to take care of whatever things I have to take care of. But I have to remember that just as much as I put myself last in service of others, when I'm at my best, I have to keep putting myself last in service of others when I'm at my worst, when times are at the worst. I can't all of a sudden flip and say, oh, no, now it has to be all about me because now I'm suffering. So let's let's make it all about because, number one, it violates every principle that I have. And and number two, that doesn't follow the example of someone who's already died for me. And if someone's willing to make the sacrifice for someone that they only knew the concept of over 2,000 years ago, then who am I to say when I'm going through this difficulty, I need to put myself first? Mm -hmm. No, I, I need to keep putting others first. And if I do, then good will come to me. You know, it's it's kind of, it's kind of like God's grace. God's grace has already been given. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't have to. I don't have to earn it. It's not like I have to worry about. Am I good enough? I don't have to keep worry about doing certain acts to please somebody. It's already there, so I have to absorb it. Take what I can take from it. Learn from it. Look for clues from it, but not all of a sudden change the way I am and get out in front of it by trying to put myself first. There's. There's so many people that have, I remember I got married 
the first time I was married, we got married by a pastor that had been a banker previously, and then he got into ministry. And you were a minister, and then you went into the system, if you will, that we're all you know, in the part cor- of in the corporate America. In the corporate America. And you you actually remind me a lot. I had the pleasure to meet John Maxwell a couple of weeks ago and share That's the statement fabulous. with him. And you remind me in some ways of him, a lot of ways actually. And I'm curious about that journey that just dis- that made you decide to go from ministry. Not that you are not still in ministry, because you are. That's how you live your life. But what what impact have you been able to make in the world of corporate leaving full-time ministry? Well, let me answer the first question first because it's I think important. Yeah. What I found, especially as a as a very young man, was that there was at the time and long time before the internet and long time before what we know now about peer groups and support groups and whatnot. You know, I was in small town America with two churches full time, Mary Berry confirmed, baptized, finance committee, Bible study, youth group, you name it. And in that kind of an environment, what I found was a terrific imbalance between supply and demand. The demands on that small town pastor were 24-7 because challenges that arrive in the life of the church family, they don't arrive at noon. Right. They're always there. They arrive at any time. Right. And, And I've got story after story after story that would explain that. And yet, the one thing that people could always count on, in addition to whatever I could do to minister to them, was they could also count on getting recharged on Sunday morning. Well, I didn't have a pastor. Who is the pastor for the pastors? That's such a good question. Well, unless you as a pastor nowadays, unless you build yourself one. Yeah. It's like, who's the CEO for the CEO? Right. Unless you form bonds and create relationships, there was no LinkedIn pastors. There was no such thing. I had had kind of a sponsor, but you can't go to church. So you don't get that same refill that you get from from that emotional experience. Mm -hmm. And and I looked at myself and I said, can I do this for 40 more years this fashion in my personal answer was no. I couldn't do it that way for 40 more years. I, I buried the father of an 18-year-old boy when I was 20. Yeah, It wasn't all about me. It was all about them. But I just didn't see myself being able to, to do that for 40 more years. End of that story. There are so many opportunities to be able to do and practice servant leadership in the world, doesn't matter what phase of the world, whether it's corporate world, whether it's little small company world, whether it's in your own church, ministering inside your church in a non-ministerial role, there's so many ways in your community, in your neighborhood, just by living a life that people recognize characteristics in you that cause them to want to come to you and be around you because you're that kind of a person. And it's not because you carry the New Testament in your hip pocket. That's, that's kind of the opposite of, of that. 
it's just because of how they see you lead your life and they see how happy you are and they see how full of spirit you are and they see the way you talk and the way you listen. And so that's what I've been doing for, for 44 years after that. So you mentioned something that struck me because you said, can I, could I see myself doing this for 45 years? And now let's look at the corporate world because my observation, I'm a very new entrepreneur, just a couple of years into my journey. And I was part of a 45-year plan where I was very, very well paid, but I was building a dream for someone else. And it was, it was basically a bunch of stock, you know, stock people, people that own stock in the company, you know. And what do you think about the idea of building a family's dream outside of the corporate America world and the entrepreneurial journey that you've embarked on later in life as well. Would you agree? If I look backwards, I can connect an entire story about how I got to where I am now, how the how I've evolved. If I look at my relationships with people and my relationship to God, their relationships to God, magically, this has all opened up in the last 18 months. And you and I talked about this a bit in our last conversation how I'm having conversations with CEOs in my role where in the conversation, CEO sitting in an office is talking to me about how faith plays a role in their life. And if this was two years ago and I was sitting in their office instead of sitting with me in my pretend office and them on their back deck, they would never have opened up about faith and the role it plays in their life and business because their head of HR would have been within 100 yards. All of the rules and the cultural norms of their business would have said, we don't talk about that at work. And yet in this last year and a half, at work has been in your home. Right. And a CEO feels perfectly comfortable talking about his faith in his office, in his home office, in his den, wherever. And so people have now opened up about these things. But I can construct the path of sort of how this all gets to here. But if I looked at it any one point in time, I'm not sure that I would say that I built myself to get to here. Right. I, I, I would say that I followed somebody else's breadcrumbs that were laid out for me and I just paid attention to them as they went Yeah. and paid attention to the right breadcrumbs at the right time. And, and we could talk some more about that, but that's probably the most important thing out, out of that comes, if I look in these technology tools, if I looked in my LinkedIn, if I look in my Facebook, I am blessed with hundreds, if not some number in excess of a thousand of lifelong friends. By friends, I mean a friend is somebody that you can pick up, you can call them on the phone, you can say, hey, Lisa, it's Rich, you don't have to use your last name. And you can pick up a conversation with them as if you had just talked to them yesterday, but it's been six years. And because of how my breadcrumbs have followed, I am blessed with that kind of a virtual mutual congregation that I'm part of. You've created a whole new, just a different type of ministry just in not a structured sense in a lot of ways. Right. You, said, you said something to me that made me giggle and I wrote it down the last time we talked. I bet you know what I'm going to say. We don't, there's not usually cursing on the 
the dream big nation, but this isn't necessarily a curse word. You told me that you decided to have a no asshole rule in your life since I met you, Rich, and I love it so much. And I've told so many people about that. Tell us about that rule of yours. You warned me about a question you were going to ask in advance. Is it time to go there? This is that point. Okay, so the question might go there, then frame it up that way because okay, yeah. So the question, what the question I asked him earlier was, so oftentimes there's some mess in our lives that lead to a change, lead to a pivot, whatever you want to call it, that becomes our part of our message or our mission. So I want to hear about. We have all lots of messes, but I want to hear about one for you. So one, I hate to count years because we lost a year. So it's hard for me to count years. But a couple, three years ago, the firm I was with got bought by a a very well-known PE firm in the SaaS software industry. And they had their playbook that they come in and they operate when they buy a, a new firm. And they own lots of SaaS software firms. And I was not going to be part of that playbook. So we parted ways right before the acquisition, and I was fine with that. I spent most of that year doing independent consult, had some great work. I had a lot of fun, did some interesting projects. And I got a phone call from the CEO of a guy that I've known for 20 years and his COO and said, we've got a problem. We've had this problem for four years. We can't fix it. We think you're the guy to fix it. Would you be willing to look at it and come work with us? Now, the relationship with this CEO, his wife worked for me twice when I was at IBM for 19 years. Then I worked for him for 10 years in another business. So it's not like I've known him for 20 years. It's an intimate, very tight relationship. Took the job, started into it, COVID hit things start to blow up, financials get difficult. We decide to take some immediate drastic headcount actions. I laid off 25% of my staff. And subsequently, I got a call that night at dinner saying, hey, you did a great job letting go of your team. Thanks for doing that. Uh, By the way, uh, this is one of those phone calls. And But we want you to work on for a while to smooth over some blah, 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 blah. It was all fine. And I resolved that night When I got that phone call interrupting my supper after having ripped the hearts out of 25% of my staff, that I was no longer going to work for assholes. I was no longer going to work with assholes. I was no longer going to sell to assholes, no longer going to buy from assholes. They're unproductive. They are detrimental to a culture. They should not be hired. If they're in place, they should be summarily removed. And the world should become, the business world should become asshole free. And can we we make a sign that says that? Can we like, I think we need to trademark, trademark that. Rich, (laughs) you have one. Show me. Oh, can I, I can't see it. Oh, no asshole. (laughs) Is it a, did you write a book? No, I didn't. Oh, I love this. I I got this book in 2007. Oh my gosh. I knew that I've I've known of this concept for 14 years to say, I'm done. Right. I'm just finished. And when you do, all of a sudden, your life perspective changes. I will tell you, Lisa, it is the most life-changing experience short of accepting the Lord. Mm -hmm. It is the most life-changing experience you can have because 
you realize how much of your life you have wasted. You can relate to this looking yeah. backwards in your career. And since then, my, my life has been unbelievably good. Yeah. And you even with working with assholes, now imagine the lives you're going to change now that you've truly adopted this rule. <laughs> exactly. So and- I have a question for you. Okay. So you remind me of, of a lot of people. And one of the people you remind me of is my dad. And my my dad, because he is the most just genuine, gentle-hearted person that I know, love, and respect in so many ways. My father also lived much of his life in despair and, and depression. And he worked for a lot of assholes. And I remember growing up, and I remember him bringing these stories home. And I'm curious if people are out there working for assholes, which so many of us are and have, what is that, in your opinion, what is that teaching our children when we continue to to allow ourselves to do that? I think there's probably a more elemental question there. And whatever your core set of base beliefs, if you allow them to be regularly violated, then what does that say? It says they are not your core beliefs. Mm -hmm. It says you wear them on a t-shirt, but that you're not serious. And you can could say, that's a core belief of mine in the past because I didn't act that way. But to the degree that I put up with others acting that way and compromise my own decisions and compromise my behavior because of others. Like a uh, condoning of bad behavior. And I could, you know, I, I could, I could just listen him out by name. Right. Very, <laughs> it's very easy. It, I could, I could just go back in chronological order going backwards from today and list out you know, a number of people by name and say, you know, what does that say about me? Well, that means I was willing to compromise or I really had not adopted that as really a core belief because I was not willing to stand up for it. I I think there are a hundred stories in the Bible, if there's one, of a time when someone got challenged because, you know, if that's really your core belief, how come you're not acting like it? Right. And the answer always turned out to be, you know, well, it's your behavior that shows up, not your words. Yeah. You're going through something right now you shared with me earlier. And I think it's a great example of we're all living so much longer these days. And you shared with me that you're you're helping your wife transition her parents to now leave their where they're self-sustaining into assisted living and they're, how old are they, Rich? 89 and 90. Okay. And so what I want, you know, part of our part of our mission here in our podcast is to just wake people up that we are not promised tomorrow, but we may have a lot of tomorrows. So therefore, what kind of tomorrows are you going to have? Are you going to keep working for assholes? Or are you maybe going to hire yourself? you know, stepped in, step into your God gifted roles, I like to say. And I mean, let's just talk about that transition right now, because you're in a new time of change and share with us what's going on there. Because I think it's, it's something we're all, you know, a lot of us are facing, whether it's the same exact situation, or there's just a change in life that's requiring a lot of us that we may not be typically equipped to handle, you know? Well, the, 
as you know, I've, I've been through this change twice with my mother 20 years ago before she passed in a facility and with my father just three years ago. So I find myself in a different place in supporting my wife because she's been traveling down to Florida every six or eight weeks for the last four or five years being of assistance to them as the eldest daughter and most responsible and most able to do that kind of a thing. And so part of part of my role is a shoulder for her to lean on, the questions to ask when in the healthcare system, nobody's telling you everything. They're telling you what you need to know, but they're not telling you everything you need to know. So what do you need to be asking that they're not telling you yet? And, you know, how do you support your parents without pulling them into decisions that they don't need to be a part of and help them come to the point where you can lead them to decisions that you already know are the best decisions for them without making them feel like you made the decision, even though you already did. Right. And all of those things are good things to do, but they come at a time when there are a lot of emotions flying around the the parents' emotions the sibling emotions. Does your wife have does your wife have many siblings? Yeah, three. So and it's a lot of all, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. <laughs> all in different cities. Yeah. And in all in different life situations. And all with different points of view and, and life philosophies. And so, you know, so all of that stuff just comes into a, a kettle and you, you gotta just somehow manage it and and so yeah, and you brought you brought up a word of of re reparent, which yes. I love. Yep. I'm gonna write that down too. I'm I have like a whole list of like I'm gonna call it richisms that I need to like start a list of <laughs> because we are. I mean, you know, my I think you know this about me. One of my the ways I've served my community is financial education. And I believe that God wants us to be a good steward of our money and prepare for the future. And we're all living so much longer. And yet people don't necessarily think about long-term care or living benefits. And I mean, how important is that? Like what role did that play with your folks and now the journey that you're going on with your in-laws? We just had that conversation at lunch today up at the assisted living center and talking about my folks or Tammy's folks have had the benefit of having long-term care insurance for, they've probably had it for close to 30 years. And as you would expect, now that it's time, it's near time for it to pay off. The insurance company is incredibly difficult to deal with, wants to let go of that money in no way, shape or form. And so trying to work with the professionals that are in the industry, the, you know, the head nurse and the head insurance person that can validate and use the language of the insurance carrier to talk to them so that we don't end up talking to them. Because when we end up talking to them, we don't know their language. We don't know what one thing means and and might trigger something for them. And, And then they end up especially if my wife was on the phone with them, they just ended up just trying to bully her into a corner. Yeah. And, you know, so it's a horrific industry, but if they didn't have that, you know, can they afford to live in assisted living 
for long enough after they sell their house? Sure, but you but know, it would likely likely drain their wealth in the process potentially. Right. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. We need we need to talk more about that because I've I'm really passionate. You said something that struck me, which is you really almost like it's a, it's like our tech days. You almost learn you need to learn a new language to be able to navigate in that space. Or or you need a representative, yeah. someone who can speak for you so that you don't because so, the worst thing you can do is get emotional with an insurance company right right then, then they've got you they've got you i know i believe i know i'm an insurance agent as one of my tools in my toolbox so i advocate for my clients all the time in that space yeah so you and i have so many things that we we can go on tangents about and we're running out of time and i don't want to miss talking about your your 501c that you have and your your living a better story and your app that you have coming out because I'm so excited about this. I can't wait. Is it already launched yet, by the way? No, we're within a week. We're meeting tonight to do some more final testing and we're within a week, 10 days. So give give our listeners the, the 411. Yeah, so here's, here's the story. My co-partner and I in our a tech business really decided that we needed to be doing something bigger outside the business. And so we founded a 501c3 called Living a Better Story. And the purpose of Living a Better Story is to raise and deploy funds for individuals and organizations who serve people who are willing to understand their past and pack it up, take an honest assessment of their present, and then be willing to look forward to understand what a better story in the future could look like for them and put actions in place to achieve a better, to live a better story. And that could be, we we hold some four-day intensive retreats that do that, but at the same time, that could be raising money for Food for Orphans, a nonprofit down in Colorado Springs that does exactly what the title of their their, uh, nonprofit says. They buy food for orphans Mm -hmm. in Kenya, in Peru, in places where children are lucky if they get to eat once every two days. And 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 for them, food is a better story. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. enables, enables a better story. So one of the funding mechanisms that we're putting in place is something that we think is, because we're, we're not organized as a religious 501c3, but we've built a faith-based funding mechanism an app called 77 Pray. You can find this on 77pray.com, which just give you an overview of it. And very soon you'll be able to download the app 77 Pray from either Google Store or the Apple Store. And along with 77 Pray will be the cost of the app will be a $1 a month donation to our 501c3. So it's going to be Tremendously expensive, tremendously expensive, (laughs) a dollar a month. Yeah. 
77 Pray is meant to help like an like an exercise app. Mm-hmm. It's meant to organize and remind you in your daily life of basic things that you need to do. Pray every morning. Read the Bible once every day. Pray again every evening. And then we have a capability to crowdsource prayer support. So instead of telling your pastor that, you know, I, I'd, I'd really like it if, you know, put I'd like you to put a prayer request into the church for this or that, yeah. or rather than going on Facebook and going on some other some other electronic version, you can go to this community of faith and say, here's this situation I'm in. And I'd I'd really like people to pray for this situation and have what will end up being hundreds of thousands of people praying for you for the circumstance that you're in. And, and or likewise, crowdsource an important decision that you have to make. Yeah, I'm in a conundrum about this decision. I don't know what I should do. And, and I'm looking for this community of faith to help me and advise me on, on what I might do. So that's... I can't the, wait. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. And we're, we think it'll, we think it'll make, make a big difference in the lives of people around the world. We've, we've got people that we've spoken with in other countries around the world that are equally excited about getting it going. We're in the midst of a big campaign to pastors to pass out a little round sticker that's got our 77 Pray logo on it to their congregations. But we want to try and help do good. Yeah, in a in a massive way, and I there's so much power in prayer, and as, and especially when there's really nothing more powerful than a made up mind. And if you unite with that made up mind of whatever prayer is meant to reveal, whatever answer, sometimes it's not the answers that we want it to be (laughs) a lot of times, right? But I just love that. I'm so excited to see what's going to be revealed in our friendship and however I can support you, Rich, you let me know and let's, let's noodle on what that looks like in the future, shall we? Absolutely. And I, Absolutely. I'm thrilled to have been here today. I'm thrilled that you gave me a few extra minutes and yeah. uh, ran over a little bit, but I, I value our friendship. I value the audience that, that you reach out to and the reasons that you reach out. You, you've you coined the word that is the word of the day, and that's entrebeliever. And that, that goes on my Lisa list. Yay, I have a Lisa list. Because there are a lot of us around. There are. And and more and more of us are saying so. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's not political, it's personal. Absolutely. Yeah, so personal. Yeah. And we recognize each other. You and I recognized each other the minute we were yeah. on Zoom. You know, might have been my cross earrings possibly, but... <laughs> I don't have them on today, but maybe, maybe maybe possibly, possibly. Well, my friend, I thank you so much for your time and thank you for your presence in our show today. Tell us, you know, where our listeners can find you if they, if they'd like to get in touch or work with you and be watching for what's coming from Rich Lakeman. 
if they want to find me, easiest place to find me is is on LinkedIn and just my contact information is there, phone number, email, etc. Are, are on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out. Feel free to message me there. I respond to all messages. I accept all, all invitations to connect. So that's the easiest place to go to find me. And uh, be watching for the 77 pray. Watch, watch, go to 77pray.com. You can sign up uh, to be notified when it's released and available. We're, we're having a, there'll be a notification on there because we're having a uh, kind of a, a pre-launch event next week, next Wednesday. So we'd love to have as many of your, as many of your friends and, and cohorts join us as possible. And oh, uh, I love it. to my entrepreneur friend, thank you, Lisa. Absolutely. Thank you, Rich. Well, to my Dream Big Nation listeners, I am just so very blessed to be part of your day and we'll continue to bring stories of inspiration and reinvention and people that are making that brave leap into their God-gifted roles. So continue to show up. If you know people that you think we should be sharing their story, or if we can share your story, you know, please get in touch with us. So blessings to you in this amazing life journey, my friends, and we will see you very soon. Bye, Rich. Bye, Lisa. Hey, Dream Big Nation community. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about working with Lisa and her team directly, go to lisawilliamsco.com and learn how to hire yourself.